Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast at ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in AMD, NVIDIA, and Google. Thanks. Jumping into this week's earnings, um, most notable on Monday after close is Activision Blizzard, as well as Lyft. Before open on Tuesday, there's Workhorse and Planet Fitness. After close on Tuesday, there's Walt Disney, AMC, Upstart, and Lucid, as well as Affirm. Uh, Before open on Wednesday, there's the Trade Desk, Roblox, Canopy Growth, Fiverr, and Wall Street Bet's favorite Wendy's. Uh, after close on Wednesday, there is Rivian and The Win, as well as Unity and Beyond Meat. Before open on Thursday, there's Neo, Yeti, Six Flags, WeWork, and Ralph Lauren. After close on Thursday, there is Figs and Aurora, as well as Poshmark. I didn't know Poshmark was actually public. They sell uh, secondhand uh, luxury clothing um, and whatnot. But yeah, that's cool that they. What the heck? They're public? Poshmark. I'm thinking about the right one, right? Yeah. You basically sell the stuff that you already bought in war. Um, I know a few people that use it, though I didn't know it was as big as it was mentioned. Like, I, I just totally thought it was just like some, you know, niche website where you get to do this, but it's a public company. That's pretty cool. Um, anything on Friday? No, nothing worth mentioning. This week is a pretty volatile week. Um, And let me try to like talk about why that is. Um, I totally also glossed over that Palantir is opening uh, or reporting before open on Monday. Uh, But there's just a lot of companies that don't make money. Um, I'm talking about like data if you're a Palantir or you're maybe like in the marijuana industry like Canopy Growth. or Aurora, uh, or your electric vehicle company like Rivian or Neo, uh, or your ad company like the Trade Desk, or maybe you're a very growth-oriented company with your new, you know, streaming product like Disney. So there's a lot of room to be disappointed um, this week. I I'm not necessarily like bearish to the point where I think. You know, this is going to like start another leg down, but this doesn't seem like the most bullish week we would go up. I don't I don't imagine these companies like surprising us uh, in any way. I mean, there's also AMC. I don't know if I missed even saying that, um, but there's AMC this week, too, after close on Tuesday. There's just like a whole lot of companies that I wouldn't uh, particularly invest in that report. Um very very volatile i can imagine people getting wrecked on both sides like when things get really i guess chaotic like this in the market when you know volatility is in the air and um, people get antsy people get tired of the stocks always just going down people want to start timing the bottom or maybe people just want to play into the downtrend and just buy puts and think like, oh man, these, there's no way that Palantir flips a profit this quarter for the first time or so, or something like that. You know, there is a lot of room to make really, really biased decisions that you normally wouldn't make. So this is just a warning 
that you know you don't have to be the hero you can just totally wait for these companies to report and then choose to invest um, the main one that I think affects me the most and not by a huge margin either either um, is the trade desk the trade desk is an advertisement company they do ads um, and I could see their report directly affecting uh, my Google shares uh, I guess I'm just thankful that I don't have that many Google shares. Um, I think I have less than 50. Let me just quickly double check here. I'm already on 30gain.com slash Juni. Uh, I have 62 shares. There you go. So not that many. Um, and you know, Google has gone down since I've bought it. Um, I originally bought Google. Let me just let me, let me just do a recap here. I originally bought Google at 101, and then I dollar cost average some at 92. And I'm kind of just waiting until the sentiment shifts um, with like advertisement in general before dollar cost averaging more on Google, or if Google hits 75, just because I like that price point and that support on the, on the fancy little graph thing. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the trading desk is probably be the one that I'm mostly interested in. Um, but I quickly want to talk about some earnings that happened this last week um, on the podcast today. AMD was the stock I was looking at the most um, this week, uh, primarily because of their earnings and then their RDNA 3 announcement, which is their new line of GPUs to compete with the NVIDIA uh, 40 series. AMD this quarter uh, missed their earnings per share um, by one cent. Uh, and their revenue was also uh, below expected. But um, all four of AMD's like core parts of their business uh, were better than their lowered guidance from the previous quarter. So uh, it's, it's a pretty good report. Uh, the main headline that you will see um, is that uh, AMD misses the current quarter, but uh, it still grew its revenue by almost 30%. Most articles just quote 29% revenue growth. Um, that's huge. It shows that AMD still has room to grow, which is really important for a stock that has a P&E ratio that's you know higher than 20. Um, AMD is right now, what is, what is AMD at right now? Um, AMD's P&E ratio is now at 40, if I'm reading that correctly, AMD stock. Um, yeah, it's at 37, and then uh, NVIDIA stock is at 46. So yeah, NVIDIA and AMD both considered growth companies, and AMD still able to grow their revenue by 30% or you know 29% is really important. AMD is looked at to be able to do this sort of thing because it's taking market share away from a like a dominated like a pre-dominated market uh, that NVIDIA and uh, Intel had. Intel had a pretty strong grasp on the CPU market. NVIDIA had a pretty strong grasp on the GPU market. And now AMD is kind of getting best of both worlds, squeezing in between them two, and then still able to like get that previous uh, customer base. It doesn't have to prove that it's a necessarily good product to people that have never used it Rather, it can just prove that it's good enough or better than the ones that are already using a similar product. Um, I make this distinction because, um, you know, 
I think PC loyalty is like a huge deal and it takes a lot for someone to switch over to a different company. Um, this next computer build that I'm gonna be building within like the next two months will be a full AMD rig. I'm gonna be buying a Ryzen chip as well as the 7900 XTX, um, which is the new um, RDNA3 AMD uh, graphics card. Um, so the sentiment is shifting. I feel it, I feel personally really good about this um, just primarily because I don't play a lot of games with ray tracing, which is what um, NVIDIA kind of dominates right now. If you're like into racing sims and stuff, I can see you know you shelling out the extra $600 for a very similar graphics card that can just like render shadows like maybe like a little bit better. Um, but for a person like me that plays like really old games that don't really need to um, <laughs> you know use the full extent to a graphics card, I'd be pretty happy with a $600 cheaper graphics card that doesn't heat up and explode in the computer. So um, there's just like a whole bunch of good reasons to be on AMD's side right now. Um, and uh, it feels ultra good that I'm able to kind of go in there with my, you know, parts of wisdom that I might have said like over, over the course of the podcast is like, you want to invest in companies um, of products that you use. Uh, I'm, I was a heavy, heavy, heavy NVIDIA user like for the last like three builds that I've, I've, I've built. I have a 1080 Ti right now um, and it's been a while since I've upgraded. I don't really need to upgrade, but my stepdad needs a computer. So I'm thinking about giving him this computer that I'm kind of recording the podcast on uh, and now I'll build myself a new rig. But I'm excited. Um, having a full AMD computer, uh, I'm probably gonna be doing some celebratory like stock purchase, like maybe I'll buy 300, 400 shares, and then um, start writing massive cover calls, get my get myself back in the waters with AMD. Um, but yeah, I I feel good, which is kind of like the opposite feeling that I get. Um, when I'm looking at a stock like PayPal. PayPal also reported, I didn't really get too deep into the report just because I've kind of disconnected myself from the stock. Um, PayPal uh, and AMD are both the, the only two stocks that I'm red on for this year. Um, PayPal, uh, I'm red on by 17,000. Uh, AMD, I'm down 1.6K, which is really not, not a whole lot. Um, but then I'm up on Intel, I'm up on Shopify, up on Nvidia, up on Costco for me to have a yearly profit loss of minus 14K, um, which is really basically like minus 7%. So still doing better than QQQ and still doing better than SPY. But I have some ground to cover when it comes to pay the PayPal loss that I've already realized. Uh, so I don't have any PayPal shares. I have a 17k loss on PayPal, but I have a whole bunch of other stocks that I'm feeling more and more confident on as time passes. And that's start that's starting to look like a portfolio with um, AMD first and foremost. I think AMD will be my ticket um, uh, back into the green. Maybe by the end of the year. I'm not sure. That that'd be really kind of over dramatizing because we only have. Uh, two two more months uh, for the end of the year, uh, but it would be cool. Uh, but I'm not gonna try to rush it because when you try to rush things like that, <laughs> bad things happen. Um, but yeah, looking at other stocks like McDonald's, I 
man, these stocks that I've been really eyeing have been doing really well. Like for example, my main breadwinner for this year uh, has been Costco. Costco has since cooled off since the point I sold. Got pretty lucky there, uh, and I've been looking at it more since. Costco is also looking to um, charge more to the shareholders, which is like, or not share to the shareholders, but to the Costco members, which is usually a good uptick in the stock price, which is why I think uh, we went up like around like two weeks ago. We've kind of cooled off since then, um, but now Costco is in this like very weird um, support area, like the 480, 460 mark so maybe i buy start buying a little bit more into costco costco i don't know i can't tell even anecdotally anecdotally uh if it's if it's something that i want to invest in i like costco as an idea i like going there i like that you know it saves you money i like that it grows its customer base during like in, inflationary times that all makes sense but i just don't like going to costco um, I think there's too many people there, but that, that makes me think that like, oh, I should buy Costco stock because there's just always too many people there. Like this wouldn't be a problem if they sucked as a business. So I don't know. Um, it'd be, it'd be cool. Maybe I'll like, I'll ask, uh, you know, the Twitch chat maybe on Tuesday, uh, like what's the Costco like in your hometown? Is it like, is it bearable? Maybe I'm just like hypersensitive to, big crowds and grocery stores like I it's just not like a fun experience for me like at all um but yeah there's also there's Costco stock and then there's McDonald's stock I love going to McDonald's I think McDonald's is, is like I think it's my favorite fast food chain I I don't know maybe like I'll think of something later Subway's pretty up there um Jack and Bob, I mean I, I think I just like fast food in general but McDonald's is definitely up there um, and they pay a nice dividend. They do well during inflationary times as well. Um, and yeah, it just hit an all-time high like uh, last week. And what, what is it like right now? Has it cooled off? No, and it just stayed there. So McDonald's is also probably one of the stocks that I'm going to try looking at. Maybe um, I don't know, maybe cover calls are in order, but it, it, it has been extended pretty hard. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I write... A cash secured put at like the price before it jumped up for earnings. How much is it? How much is it? Two fifty. So let me see. McDonald's is now trading at two seventy four, but I want to sell a cash secured put that expires in three weeks at the two fifty support. It's thirty seven bucks. Definitely not worth it. The two fifty five is at a nice support too. But that's 63 bucks. Still not worth it. I don't know. McDonald's just has really low IV. So maybe McDonald's is just one of those stocks that I put money in um, as like a long portfolio type of ordeal. But again, that also feels bad because I would be doing it near a top. Um, or at the top, sorry, because it's currently at the all-time high. So... We'll see. I mean, the Warren Buffett in me says, just do it. You're going to be doing this for like the rest of your life. But then the realistic Juni side of me is like, hey, you're going to get bored of this and you're going to sell it and then you're going to do it, do something else. I, I don't know. Um, but if you want to keep tabs on what I do when I buy stock or sell stock, thetagang.com slash Juni is definitely free and it's definitely available for you to 
look at. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Apple, um, and I'm not a huge fan of hmm, of PayPal. But I don't know. As I want to hear more about what PayPal is doing with their buyback program, because there's so I mean. I know I say this a lot, but there's just so much news about them partnering with that investor that loves to do buybacks, um, and it would just be such a shame if that if that was just for marketing and PR. Where like it would be great if they were like, "Hey, we bought this much in our buyback program, and we continue to do want to continue want to do this pace for X amount of quarters or X amount of years." Like that would make me feel better because right now, yeah. There's a lot of negativity also on PayPal and on Twitter uh, with that whole misinformation, pay like charging their users $2,500 for spreading misinformation, which I don't think is like the worst thing going to be totally real. I don't think it's that bad because I don't do anything that can remotely be, uh, I don't know, quoted as misinformation about PayPal. Like I don't have a business that like bashes PayPal. Um, so I'm not worried, but maybe other people do. Uh, and so that's that's a bigger case for them. But PayPal for me right now doesn't seem that appealing. Like I'd rather invest into say like Visa if I had to, um, because Visa had a great quarter. They increased their dividends by 20%. Their transaction volume makes it look like there's no recession at all. Consumer spending seems to be uh, continually high. Like, real quick, Visa stock. Um, what the heck? They have no P&E ratio? Do they not make money? No, they definitely do make money. There's just no P&E ratio here. Or I might be tripping. I might be looking at this wrong. Wow. I don't see it on Google. Let me see. Okay, yeah. On Thetagame.com, I have 29. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Thetagame.com is correct. Google is wrong. Wow. <laughs> um... And then what else? Oh, right, right, right. And then compared to PayPal stock. Uh, and PayPal is 43. So, I mean, on paper, uh, Visa is so much better of a deal than PayPal because it, it's not necessarily growth focused, but it also pays you a dividend, which is super nice. And PayPal does not pay you a dividend. Um, and I don't know, that earnings report was really strong. It, I think it evoked a lot of confidence in just me and my earlier uh, this week. I did a pay, uh, not PayPal, but a Shopify play, kind of based on Shopify's earnings and Visa earnings um, combined together. And um, yeah, I did a cash secured put on Shop that worked out well. Um, yeah, Shopify. I like where it is directionally focused as a company. I like the CEO and I like him apologizing and I like, I just like him in general. I think he's like a super cool dude. Um, Tobias has like a StarCraft team. He's like super nerdy, but like, like he's apologetic. He's super driven. He's passionate and I think he can do it. Um, so I will be keeping my eyes on Shopify. Shopify is just a little bit too scary. Like I'd rather just invest the money I would put into Shopify into something more certain or something definitely that I understand more of like AMD. But there's definitely a, like a case in point um, to go back into Shopify sometime. Uh, Shopify has cooled down a lot in the, like the last few days, I think. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Shopify was almost at like 37 bucks, or it was over 37 bucks, almost 38, and then now it's chilling back down at like uh, 32. So we'll see. I actually still don't even know if we're gonna continue this uptrend. Uh, the Fed did raise by 75 basis points. There was signaling that there could be like a cooling off of the increase in rates for the next FOMC meeting, meaning like, you know, 50 basis points is on the table, 25 basis points is on the table. I mean, 75 basis points is also on the table. But really, um, it seems, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be quoted as like, this is the bottom, but it, it's, it looks like a good case for one. I mean, we've traded flat on a lot of stocks um, the last, like I think AMD is like the prime example. And then now that the RDNA 3 announcement is out, uh, and then, you know, there's like good reviews from Linus Tech Tips and there's good reviews from Jay's Two Cents. This is just one of those moments where AMD is shining for, I think, against the world. And there's like this like brief moment in time before uh, where the nerds find out about like the really cool stuff about the graphic cards. And then the analysts will find out later. Uh, and then, you know, the stock moves. So definitely uh, feeling like buy the rumor uh, for AMD because the graphic cards aren't actually out yet. So just like a, like a lot of speculation, but you know, that's remedied by a lot of announcements, official announcements from AMD. Um, so I'll definitely be doing a lot more trading for AMD. We'll see where that goes. I'll probably draw, draw up a plan. Uh, but anyway, enough rambling, sorry. I, I've just been just so engulfed in like my personal, like sort of like nine to five job. Um, I'm, I'm learning so much from there and uh, like I'm also coding the next version of thetagame.com and this th this next version is the one that I think lasts forever. I want to I'm approaching it with a with like all the learnings and lessons that I did um, with the current version that's out right now and like where the pitfalls are, what could be done better, what am I learning in my day to day that I can apply to this next version of the website. And it's just gonna be more focused. Uh, the current version of the website right now tries to do like a little bit of everything, but when you log on to this new new version, it will feel a lot better. And it, I'm gonna be focusing a lot more on the like the first time user experience, um, and it's gonna be a lot more education based. So I definitely you know I want there to be a sense of community and. Uh, I want you to know that like the, that thetagame.com is going to be the place, safe place to like lose, but also a safe place to learn. Um, I don't think that's emphasized enough in the current implementation, where it feels a little hardcore um, right now, which is kind of cool, right? Like, there's a lot of users on the website that I notice that upload every single trade. Um, there's users that I've never interacted with that just kind of like, learn how to use it. There's no tutorial at all. On the website or a video on how to use it so you know i really want um there to be some educational material um maybe it's like me recording some video or maybe it's me creating some sort of like interact interactable like experience all that's on the table um there's just so many cool ideas but this time around it's gonna be based on like the first time user experience uh and it's gonna be like just 
it's gonna feel nicer. Yeah, I, I, I can't really use a word better than that because I don't really want to use the word more educational, though it will be, but it's gonna, just gonna have a more nice feeling. It's not gonna be so like edgy or, uh, <laughs> I don't know a good way to explain this one. There, there, there's a lot of sharp corners in this one, uh, in this current version, uh, but th those will be rounded out uh, in, this, in this next coming up version. The ETA for this new version, uh, I'd imagine I would get a lot of it done when I visit my parents. Uh, I'm just setting myself up for success um, for these like last like three weeks, um, coding like just the bare bones, the skeletal structure, and just like the overall flow of the website. Uh, but when I finally visit my parents, you know, I have nothing better to do at 3 a.m. when it's like 50 degrees outside. Uh, not that I code outside, but it's just like nice and snuggly and it's just super quiet when I'm there. Like there's no cars and no racetrack in my backyard or whatever. Um, anyway, yeah. So you'll, you'll be hearing more updates. Um, maybe I throw out some feelers on Twitter, uh, like some previews of like which button looks better or which idea sounds better. Uh, and maybe I'll give like some sneak previews on the stream. But anyway, uh, let's get quickly into today's episode, and we'll call it a day. Okie dokie. Uh, today's episode is um, inspired uh, today by a user named Sean. Um, Sean emailed me uh, asking whether or not uh, he should cut, like, double down or cut his losses. Um, and it's a tricky question. Uh, I, as I was like typing out the reply, I was just thinking to myself like, wow, this would make a pretty good episode. I'm sure I've made an episode on this previously. Um, and I think if I were to just like record this next one without listening to the other one, my opinion on the matter would still basically be the same. But I think everyone should just be reminded of this, um, primarily because we've been in a downtrend and I've cut my losses on one of the stocks that I've invested in. Um, and that includes PayPal, the 17K loss that I uh, talked about before. And that wasn't with anything risky either. It was just buying stock and selling covered calls, right? Like I didn't like YOLO calls, I didn't YOLO puts, I didn't do volatile strangles, naked options. I didn't do any of that. It was just buying stock and you know selling covered calls time to time. Uh, but the stock just kept on going down. And uh, with that, uh, there's, there's just a multitude of things that you should think about. And here's just a few reminders on some questions that you can ask yourself uh, before you decide to cut the loss or double down. I want to also preface this uh, with that I'm a pretty risk adverse uh, like trader these days. Um, not only am I risk adverse, but I'm like loss adverse. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of selling stock for a loss. Um, like I'd rather just like continue battling away with dollar cost averaging or doing some covered call strategy. But the reason why I sold out of my stock positions um, all at once, I did this like really swiftly. Um, and I have the proof uh, on datagain.com slash juni right here. So on August 26th, I sold all of my Costco stock, all of my PayPal stock, and all of my AMD stock. 
um, for the better. We we have definitely gone down since then, uh, but I'm not gonna call myself a genius for doing that because I did realize a loss. Um, but I still did do it. Uh, the primary driver for why I sold for a loss on those stocks, besides Costco, I, that's where I actually made a good chunk of profit, um, was because number one, um, the macro sucked. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't really a big fan of like the the amount of bearishness that was just out in the news. I'm not really much of a contrarian sort of trader. Um, you know, like maybe I could have you know, seen that way during the COVID rally when I'm just like, yeah, I hope every humankind, like mankind survives and we should span together and stuff. But you, that wasn't me like just throwing all my money in saying like, oh, I'm buying because everyone else is selling and everyone else sucks. I was in the hole basically for 80K of stock being assigned and I just basically wrote it out. Um, leading me to have one of the most profitable, actually the most profitable year um, in my trading career of 50K that year and then 49K the next year. But um, that was not me being contrarian, rather that was me being stuck. And so, so me being stuck, um, I decided to write it out because that was 80K. I, that was just like an unfathomable m amount of money that I did not want to lose. Um, at that time so I decided not to sell and I turned out to be okay um, but this time around I definitely had the choice to be able to sell and still be okay right um, me realizing like a 17k loss on PayPal with some profits from Costco and other stocks to offset it to be around while well, I'm now at like 14.8k which is like 7% of my portfolio seems very okay it seemed like a very calculated risk that I was willing to take to sell right now because percentage-wise, it really wasn't a whole lot. Back when I got assigned 80K worth of stock when I only had 80K, that's a huge deal. That's 100% of my portfolio that I'm putting up, that, that I'm risking basically zero because like the first time in history, coronavirus came up and then boom, you know, humankind can cease to exist. That was a huge risk. What, what is money really anyway when the world's ending? But anyway, <laughs> um, so that's, for, that's number one. If the macro sucks, I think you're allowed to readjust your thesis. But there's just other there's other points to that too. Like you can be overly sensitive to things. Um, you might be in the wrong algorithm. Uh, you can be subscribed to a lot of global warming stuff. You can be subscribed to a lot of like Republican versus Democrat stuff, like political stuff. You can be subscribed to food shortage stuff, energy crisis stuff, uh, inflation stuff. You can have this super warped perspective on like the financial like state of just everything. And, you know, without someone, you know, being around you to say like, hey, you know, maybe it's not worth being as bearish as you think. The stock market does tend to go up more than it tends to go down, despite there being so many problems. Um, you can get too sensitive to news, but if we're already in an established downtrend like we were since January, um, and I basically waited until August 26th, so it's like seven months later, uh, that's when I decided to sell. 
because I saw seven months worth of downtrend, then it seemed okay. But if we're in a current uptrend and at the macro level, and that's not relevant to to today, right? Because we, we're on a downtrend. But say we do start an uptrend again, um, you know, it's not in your best interest to like say, for example, sell at the very next bad event because you're thinking like, okay, now this is the top and we're gonna start heading lower. Um, I think it helps to have like a really long view on the market. It just depends on really when you plan to pull out, if ever. Um, but what helps me uh, is kind of like, oh, this is this is just where my money is parked. I'm trying not to lose it all. <laughs> trying to um, buy a house one day. Uh, this is my nest egg. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things that keep me from being overly risky with it and doing some stupid stuff like buying puts uh like with zero day expiration um but also just realizing like hey there's a good chance i don't really really need this stuff until i'm like 65 like being quite honest like i don't, i'm not sure if i'm going to actually need this to even uh have my down payment because i've been really just saving up money um in my uh in my like checking account which sounds super backwards um, but I have this like lump sum in my checking account that I could move to my Tastyworks, but I don't really need the extra liquidity in my um, brokerage account. So I'm just kind of keeping it in my checking account and not investing it into anything. I have bought a little bit more crypto with it, but that it's really not worth mentioning just because how small of a percentage it is compared to the rest of the account. So um, yeah, if we're in a downtrend and you understand that's a downtrend um, and it's like a couple months long that I think is a okay time to say cut your losses and that could be stock specific too right like what if the market is going up like the entire market is going up but your one stock that you're invested in is on a downtrend and it's been on a downtrend for a few months then I think that's also worth cutting your losses sometime there too because what that's telling you is basically you're waiting for like a big news event or a sentiment shift to happen. Whereas like the rising tide lifts all boats sort of um, analogy doesn't really affect you where, you know, you probably want that analogy to affect you if you want to have the highest chance at making a return in the market. Um, it's, it's just something that, you know, you want on your side. I, I make this comparison to kind of like jujitsu where uh, in jiu-jitsu, you can play pretty well from the bottom. You're like, th like the sport is, or the martial arts sport, whatever, is it, like really known for being able to play from the bottom. Like you can play from your butt, you can play from your back, you can fight from your butt, fight from your back really well. But what is not helping you is gravity. So the person on top, they're also doing jiu-jitsu, but they also get gravity on their side. What you get on your side when you invest in the stock market is the stock market. The stock market usually goes up. So if you're investing into a stock that usually goes up, like Apple or some other blue chip company, then it's really like in your best favor to win because you just the, the odds are on your side. So just think about it like that a little bit. It might sound boring. It might sound like buy the book. But it might be a good place to start if you're just like, hey, you know, I keep 
buying these really big loser stocks um, when the entire market's up or you know when the entire market's down but the rest of the market is not as down as this why do i keep buying into the ones that lose the most you know buying into these blue chip stocks it sounds so boring and it, it costs a good amount because blue chip stocks are expensive for a reason uh it might be the first ticket to success uh in your next coming months maybe a new year's resolution uh, a second reason why I think cutting your losses would be okay is if you're in uh, what I consider the dead zone. I talk about this on the stream the most. I don't think I bring this up on the podcast a lot, um, but whenever someone brings up a stock on uh, in chat, just because I, I answer basically all questions in chat, there there's, there's never really a time where it, it, it's ever too busy to not answer a question. Um, but sometimes someone will say, hey, what do you think about this stock? Uh, or what do you think about that stock? And the first thing I'll do is like, I'll bring up Tastyworks, I'll type in the stock symbol, and then I'll go to like the weekly chart, maybe span it out five years, and see where the stock has been going, just like a technical analysis level. Like I'm, I'm definitely putting air quotes around technical analysis. Um, if the stock price is below its IPO price, I consider that the dead zone especially if there hasn't been a support ever established before the below the IPO price. I consider that like like a place where you really shouldn't be trading um, because uh, as, as, as far as you know, no one else has ever seen the uh, stock that low either. That's a, it's usually an all-time low um, and it's an all-time low lower than the IPO hype, which I think says a lot. If people are willing to sell this stock cheaper than what they bought at IPO, that's a pretty big problem. Um, you know, uh, it's it's something that should be uh, a red flag. I don't know if other people think similar to me with that. If you have a you know a differing opinion, maybe you are a sentiment shifting based trader. Like, feel free to email me. Let me know your thoughts. But. Um, a stock below its IPO price, especially if the price below the IPO does not have a support, uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem like a good place. And you can think why dollar cost averaging around that area uh, feels bad because it literally feels like your money can go to zero. You know, without a support, um, you, there's just no real evidence that other people are willing to buy it at this said price. Rather, you're kind of just the one with a large position that's kind of like floating on the way down. Um, so if it ever gets to a point where that might be in danger, just understand that it's an actual danger and that it can happen. Um, and that might be a, a good place to consider cutting your losses. Um, you know, you, you could be shocked. You might say like, wow, Judy, why, why would anyone hold that long? Uh, the human psyche is crazy. The stock market is super crazy. And that's one of the reasons why I love it so much is that I figure out so much about myself um, just trading stocks. Like how how is my mental on red days? How am I able to trade on green days? What What is it that really separates my trading capability than the other person? And I see a lot of things that I wish I could kind of make comparisons to in like a video game and be like, hey, if you just keep it cool, if you keep, you know, doing this, we might be able to actually win this game where, 
you know, this is like a 1v1 for me against the stock market. And it's cool because I have no one else to blame but myself because no one's pulling, pointing a gun to my head, making me pull the trigger on like calls or puts. It's me. I'm the one doing it. And I think that's beautiful. Anyone with losses, really, it's it's because of yourself. It's no one, no one else. You can be influenced all you want by other people. Other people can sell you a service and whatnot. But it's really you at the end of the day that does the clicking. So that part, I, I just can't get enough of it. I think it's super awesome, and that's why I sort of like document like all my trades on ThetaGain.com/slash/Juni. So that's cutting losses right um the macro sucking or uh you know you're in the dead zone those are the times where i would cut the loss and there's not that many times where i would consider cutting a loss right those seem like pretty extreme and i think i'm making those seem extreme for a reason um because i think that cutting for a loss shouldn't be a normal thing it just really depends on who you ask as well. Like a lot of people love cutting for a loss. Like if you're a high volume trader, you usually don't mind cutting for a loss because you want to use that capital in another trade that can potentially bring you in more profit, um, like all that stuff. I'm not a high volume trader. I, I just don't have enough time um, or mental stability to be able to, to trade like that. So I, I do a very simple sort of approach. Um, it's pretty methodical because you know I don't, I don't have that many methods to implement, but uh, I do do certain things um, when I trade. But regardless, uh, selling for a loss is not something that I like to do um, regularly. It's very rare, it's like a very rare thing. Um, so into the next part of this question is like, we know when to cut a loss, the Juni way. How do you dollar cost average the Juni way? Um, the way that I do it, uh, I'll primarily just do a buy right right now if I enter a stock position. I don't really like entering with the cash secured put unless if it's like a cash secured put that can be covered um, or secured with a low amount of capital. Like for example, Shopify, I don't mind doing a cash secured put because a cash secured put is like $3,000, which is not a whole lot. Um, whereas, you know, if I wanted to do a bigger position, um, where I have a hundred shares or an allotment of a hundred shares, I'd probably do like a hundred shares and do a covered call instead of a cash secured put just to be more flexible on the way down if it goes down. But anyway, um, dollar cost averaging on the way up is really important. Uh, if you trade like me, because during times when uh, there is a big downtrend, my initial position is uh, pretty small. It's like 50 shares. We're like, if we're in a bullish environment, um, my initial position is usually 100 shares. So it's important for me, if I want to put my money to work, I have to put my money in. And so if I want to say, for example, uh, scale up my position from 50, from my initial 50 shares to 100 shares, my method is to buy 12, 13, or 25 shares at a time to get to that 100. And it might be like, say for example, um, we have a really great green week. If I feel like we've been overextended, maybe at the beginning of the next week I buy 12, and then the beginning of the next week after that I buy 13. 
and then the next week after that, maybe there's a good piece of news that comes out that's bullish that continues to send the stock going up, and I buy 25 shares then. Then basically, I had just gone from 50 shares, bought 12, 13, and 25, bringing me up to 100 shares in a span of like three weeks. And then when I buy that last um, batch of 25, I then have 100 shares where that I could then sell a cash secured put. So I'm basically like scaling up my shares slowly over the course of like basically four weeks to then sell a covered call after the price has somewhat like been um, established. This is a great, great plan for when the stock trades sideways, especially for a stock like an AMD. This story style does not work well for a stock like PayPal that continues to go on a downtrend despite the market like rebounding a little bit, right? Like the this sort of this sort of strategy works best for stocks that trade flat or up. Um, but you can understand why dollar cost averaging it sounds so simple and so easy on paper, but it's hard to execute because there's just times when the stocks actually do go down. Despite Warren Buffett saying the stock market always goes up, stock goes up, blah, 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 the Twitter tweets, the, the, all of those things that make it sound like the stock market never loses, there are times where the stock market does in fact go red. And there are times when you're gonna be challenged of whether or not you're gonna dollar cost average. And so on the way down, I like to do the similar thing. Like what if you know I originally went in with my 50 shares and instead of the example of it going up, I buy 12, 13, or 25. What happens if we go down? When we go down, I do the same thing. Uh, say we have like a really red day. Um, I don't primarily like to go in with a, f a first buy of 25 shares and say like, oh, I'm getting these for a discount, so I'm gonna go in with 25. I'll usually go in with 12. There's sometimes a good reason why the stock is red. Sometimes it's like super random. But, uh, you know, if maybe there's an analyst downgrade, maybe there's a piece of news that comes out, maybe a burnt wire, I don't know. But when it gets down to it, spanning your trades out over a course of a month will make it so that your entry is less volatile. I think one of the main things that kind of get to me is if one of my positions start off bad, which, you know, Thadian style trades kind of teach you to get over because a lot of the stock, um, not stock, but a lot of the uh, option trades that I write start off red. That That's fine. But when I buy stocks uh, and then they go red, and especially if I don't have 100 already and I don't have cover calls um, able to be written, um, that can get on my mental and could kind of affect like how I trade it. So what I've learned to just kind of slowly accept is that when I buy my first 50, I'm totally open for it to go down now because I have the patience required to dollar cost average on the way down and I think I have a good sense of my next price targets where I would dollar cost average and then be able to write a covered call where I'll start be able to make money with a lower cost basis because I dollar cost average on the way down um, and then able to then collect more premium with a covered call because I dollar cost average and then wrote one instead of did a buy right and then just immediately wrote one. Each have their own pros and cons, um, like buying, like buy writing, like just buying a hundred shares like really quickly and then doing a cover call versus buying 50 shares, scaling up to a hundred shares over like a month and then selling a cover call. Um, one obviously is faster and you can adjust your strikes faster. Um, but the other one uh, is, 
a little bit better where if you scale up your amount of shares slowly, then you're less prone to a loss because your, your average on your shares will be better. The premium on your cover call will more than likely just be the same by the time you write it just because um, you're going to be writing relative, like in a relative amount, you'll be writing it um, as close to the money as you normally would if you just did a normal buy write. So don't worry if you didn't quite understand that if you're like a little bit new um but if you're like a little bit more intermediate or advanced the point there is just the covered call at the end of the day gives you the same amount of premium it's just what your cost basis is at the end of the day that i think is the most important um and if you have the time and patience then scaling out your initial position over a course of a month is really good especially in an environment like this where we're kind of at a support right now, uh, just as a market as a whole. And we're kind of just waiting until the next FOMC meeting, the next inflationary report, see if there's going to be an uptrend forming. Um, and so there's no real rush to build a big position right now. Um, with this AMD position that I'm talking about, I feel more confident about it just because I'm right now like buying new computers very heavily in my mind. I'm like already excited about buying the graphics card and the CPU. Like that is an established narrative for me. But for other people that are kind of just like browsing the market, looking for a play and looking to invest, slowly invest their money back in. Maybe you took a break before and you're looking to get back in. You know, scaling in slowly right now doesn't really look bad at all. Um, this is the longest time I've seen stocks trade flat in quite some time. I'm talking about like not going down, but also not going up. Yeah, Judy, that's what flat means. <laughs> but really, it's it's a really weird time right now just because the stock market has gone up super high since 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, the Omega bears are saying like, oh, you know, there's there's definitely a case in point to see that you know the market cools off even further, maybe back down to 2020 levels because inflation is so bad. But man, you know, I just think about like, dude, the cheeseburger at some point was five cents. A soda pop. I remember looking at vending machines um, just on eBay. There were there were five cent Coca Colas, but now a Coca Cola at a Coca Cola Coca Cola machine is like two dollars fifty cents. Five goes into two fifty. 250 divided by 5, 50 times, that's 50x, you know, like that is inflation in itself, um, but that's not really talked about, right, I, I, or at least that that um, that comparison is not uh, made there enough, like the, the cheeseburger, when I was skating like every day, when I could afford to eat cheeseburger for like lunch and then not gain weight, um, a cheeseburger was on the actual dollar menu, not value menu, but I'm talking dollar menu. I used to get a, a double cheeseburger, or no, it wasn't double cheeseburger, it's called a McDouble, a McChicken, a large fry, and uh, no, I no, I remember getting small fry, because small fry was also a dollar. Yeah, and then uh, a sweet tea for four bucks. Oh, no, 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 and then I got the four piece chicken nugget, that, or, was it four piece or a six piece for a dollar? So I got five things for five bucks and it was like a feast for me uh, at McDonald's. But now that same thing would cost like 15, 17 bucks. But it has been like that for a while. Like it's already gone up a lot like that. It's just people have not 
really notice until it's like in the forefront of our minds. So these new high prices, I feel like are just a part of living. Like I feel like I'm just gonna say like back in my day, you know, my I had a McDouble for a dollar, and that's just a way of life. Our grandparents would probably say the same thing about like a hot dog being like 25 cents at a ballpark game. You know, inflation. It. I don't know. It it seems to me that it's supposed to happen. Sucks for the wealth gap, but it seems like, you know, consequences aside, like it's it happens. It, it whether if it's made from like um, an emergency plan or a government plan, or whatever have you, it seems like it's supposed to happen. And people might overreact to it, despite the economy still growing at some sort of pace, but. A 50% cut from here? I, I don't know. I don't know. It it seems... It seems... It, I'm, I'm not going to even try to jinx it. I'm not going to even say it seems not possible. I'm, I'm just going to say... I'm excited to see where we go. Like, I'm doing my best just to not freak out. I'm definitely um, more bullish than I was like a few months ago. And now, you know, I'm, I'm getting the site ready for the next wave for whenever the market goes back up, getting the site ready uh, for, you know, when all the newer data gang people want to come and learn about options, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to support them. I'll be ready to help more people. But um, right now, it, we'll see. We'll see. I, I feel good about my stock positions, even the ones I'm red on, um, the ones I realized, like my PayPal, I'm down on like 17k on, but I'm more than confident I can get that back through other means, through other stocks like AMD or you know eventually maybe Google or Costco. But yeah, um, so dollar cost averaging, uh, yeah, buying in bulks of 50, 12, 13, and 25, that usually works out for me in a span of like a month. Uh, you could buy, you could do a buy every week at the same time. You could buy. You could do it based on news events that come out, but um, don't get don't get too um, I guess like complacent. Like dollar cost averaging is strong because of the word average. Um, you want to do it over a course of time. Like if you go uh, if you enter a position and you're immediately really green on it, it mean it doesn't mean you should never buy more stock at a higher price to like quote like ruin your cost basis it means you picked a nice winner and it means other people believe in it and you should probably maybe buy more stocks because now uh either more people believe in it or there's like this big event that changed the thesis of the stock and maybe it's more valuable now so if you already loved it before why wouldn't you buy more or just on the flip side on the way down you already loved the stock at $80 and now it's $50 why don't you buy more now and that gives you a chance to reflect and consider should I cut your lot should you cut your losses um, you know what exactly changed in my perspective why why is it now cheaper as a stock and I don't want a dollar cost average it opens up a lot of narrative for you to reflect on um, and I think that's just healthy for everybody if you just set <laughs> If you just sat around and kind of reflected on a lot of parts of your life more than just your stock portfolio, but I'm not gonna go there today. <laughs> Mental health is important, y'all. Um, I definitely didn't expect to talk this long today on today's episode, um, but I thought today's episode topic was really good. So thank you, 
um, Sean for writing in. Uh, Sean has written in uh, many other times. Uh, there's a good handful of people that uh, write in. I appreciate them all. I mean, just to name a few, just so, uh, I mean, there's proof. Uh, Michael, shout out to you. Um, let me just try to remember who else writes. Zach, shout out to you too, sir. Um, and there are a few people that just write in for their first time. I don't remember their names, but there, there are a few questions in the inbox that I still have to like kind of comb through uh, and see if I want to like kind of answer through email, if I want to answer through the podcast. But um, yeah, it's all fun. I love the community that we've built. Uh, I'm enjoying the quietness a little bit of like, you know, before there's like a lot of mania about stocks, but um, much like 2019, uh it this is just the quiet kind of era and like you know you get nice people interested in the hobby this isn't sort of like something that everyone is interested in so even like the people that are not nice you know they, they don't want to do this because for whatever reason then that's fine with me but when there's a huge meme factor about something you attract all the types of people um and like the trolls and the bad people and you know if something goes quiet enough uh, then you start getting like the people are just genuinely interested in the hobby and if as long as you're nice to them and able to help them grow they're going to be nice to you back and I, I enjoy that uh, part of the process so if you're still listening just know that like you're definitely um, close to my community like I appreciate you not a lot of people listen to the podcast though you might think um, that you know it gets like uh, tens of thousands of listens it, it doesn't um, this is definitely just something that I like to do for fun um, and yeah just super thankful for everybody anyway today is Saturday this took uh, about three hours to record um, and I just want to say thank you to everyone that continues to listen uh, I want to give a shout out to my patrons here um, really like this is this is super cool. Oh, also, I mean, while I get this up, one of the patrons uh, uh, in the Discord is like making hot sauces for the ones that are interested, and and I definitely signed up for that. So I'm super excited. Um, slow, if you're listening to this, um, I'm super pumped. <laughs> if you guys and girls don't know, I love hot sauce. Like hot sauce is my jam, um, or my sauce, I guess. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm feeling like this Secret Santa for Theta Gang is gonna be different. I don't, I like. I don't want to do the same thing that we did last time. I feel like this time around, it might be more like sponsored by, I don't know, Theta Gang in general, or like AKA like sponsored by me. I'm thinking like other. I'm thinking about other plans than just doing a, a standard Secret Santa. But yeah, gotta get, gotta get that officiated soon too because it's already november holy moly um anyway a huge huge shout out to ag arf manny really being shake can't, can't make money rl chicken dinner empty cans fancy wolf froggy fresh trades grand pine five jay-z and kaput lazy reservists leo jetson lord skeletor maestro xc malt many two six fly mehmet m hayden mike d mitch Brady seven mods mr integrity pasture bedtime roosters rest of your seneca shifty slow motion statistically random symmetrics digester theta rate upstream puddle vlad tc and ansys 88 Ooh, enjoy your weekend, y'all. It's Saturday, 7.40, 7.50 p.m. right now, uh, November 5th, 2022. My stepdad's doing awesome. Or, 
He's a, today he's doing awesome. He went to aqua therapy today. He has neuropathy in his legs because he has diabetes that he was diagnosed earlier this year. He's had a pretty hard year uh, just coping with the pain. Uh, neuropathy is like a thing where if you have diabetes, you kind of mess up your nerves because your blood sugar levels are too high. And then your like feet hurt and your hands hurt. Um, and it can be unbearable sometimes. Um, and not to ju just drop a bomb, but like he would like sometimes like cry at night because it hurts so much. And it's just so sad because he's like one of the strongest figures that I know. Um, but he's been prescribed aqua therapy, which is super dope because he's also lost a lot of weight due to diabetes. So he used to weigh like two forty, and now he's like one fifteen. Um, and so uh, he's lost a lot of muscle mass and so walking and doing anything joint related really isn't like his thing like he can't really walk that well um, but he's been doing aqua therapy where you know you go in a pool that, that's like about like chest high and water buoyancy kind of keeps you afloat so you can kind of do full range of motion without like needing to be on the balls of your feet where there's like right now there's not a lot of mass on his feet uh, just because he's lost so much muscle mass um, uh, and you might be reason you might be thinking why I'm talking so fast. I like just downed an entire Vietnamese coffee during this like this recording, so I'm like definitely amped up and ready to code after I'm done with this. But uh, <laughs> my mom has been doing great. Um, my mom, I, something switched, something flipped in her head when uh, my stepdad started getting more sick. Um, I think she's, I think. I think we're getting close to a point where I can like start talking about my mom's um, severe depression. Um, what is the word? Retroactively? Retrospectively? Uh, one of those words. I could like reflect on it. I'm, I'm like getting to that point. Um, maybe maybe it's not this episode, but maybe later. But my mom had like super severe depression if you listen to like the endings of a few episodes before you know how bad it it, it kind of got but something happened where when my stepdad got sick my mom started to take care of him and she her depression just it didn't just vanish and her anxiety didn't vanish uh either because she still has anxiety attacks every now and then or she hyperventilates and like passes out and throws up and all that kind of bad stuff but it happens much, much less than like 2020, 2021. So uh, she's been taking care of my stepdad. My stepdad's beginning like kind of more on the, on the depressive side now because of, I don't know, I could just imagine a whole lot of things um, that I won't get into in this podcast. But um, so they've kind of like flipped roles. And, but I think my stepdad's able to take the depressive episodes and the, he's not, very anxious he's you know he could be sad and he could be like in pain but he's handling the negative side of just living life i guess better than my mom so now my parents are like in a pretty good state like being thankful for everything being grateful for everything they're in a pretty good state like they're not in the perfect state i wish they could be healthier but there are many times where i call and we're all laughing and it's it's just like the best um so if anyone out there has diabetic parents or diabetic friends, um, you know, one of the main things that I would probably just like, you know, no one likes to be reminded of their illnesses or diseases, but like, man, I think it's super important that you like never stop walking if you're diabetic. Like that's something 
that I'm just like ingrained in my head. Like if I ever get told I'm diabetic, I'm never stopping jujitsu uh, or never gonna stop doing sort of, some sort of physical activity. Um, because my stepdad was able to walk pretty well, um, just just in general. Uh, but then there would be some days where he would just be like, oh, it's kind of cold outside, so I won't do it. And then, uh, yeah, the next time I visited, he was just so much smaller. So uh, just never stop. Uh, I think that's like the main thing. I, that could go with so many different um, parts of life too. But that's also not so great about like, I guess, addiction. So just take it with a grain of salt. Um, if, if, you, if it's healthy and you think it's healthy and other people generally gets healthy, it's probably something good to not stop. Like for example, working out or eating well. Um, let's see. Uh, today I got my um, my teeth cleaned by uh, my girlfriend um, with my dad. So like my dad's a dentist, my girlfriend's a dentist. My dad owns an office, and so we visited my dad, where my girlfriend did my teeth, and my dad was the assistant. So it was like the ultimate bonding experience. Um, so we did that. I got an impression for Invisalign uh, because I had Invisalign before, but I haven't worn a retainer in like years. And so my teeth have started shifting back. Um, and so that's been a thing. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Anything else? Um, there was this like really cool moment. And this will be the last thing because I'll, I'll let you go. I, this, is, this is over an hour long. Uh, we were eating today at a pho restaurant with uh, my dad, me and my girlfriend, and my dad made a joke. My dad's like a super joking guy. Like he, I get my humor from my dad. I have the same exact laugh as my dad. I know that because me and my dad laughed at the same time crossing the street one time in K-Town in Los Angeles. And I know exactly which intersection it is, too. And I know where we were standing and how we were doing. We both laughed at the same time. And it was the same frequency, the same pattern. And we laughed even more. And it was just so, it was so funny. Um, but anyway, he's a super joking guy. And he mentioned, like, hey, how come you never uh, give me, like, UC Irvine gear? Because I went to UC Irvine. Um, and, you know, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to become originally a doctor and whatnot. Um, and just biochemistry and all that stuff was really hard. It didn't become a doctor. Um, but yeah, he asked me, and I, and I graduated. I graduated UCI. Um, but he asked me, like, why don't, you know, why didn't you get me uh, UCI gear? Why don't you get me UCI gear? Uh, you know, my, my, my uh, assistant, uh, her son goes to UCI, and she always <laughs> comes to the office with uh, UCI gear. Where's my UCI gear? And, you know, I... Uh, there, there's like a there's like a reason for me not getting my parents like UCI gear like um, I wasn't really proud of like my performance at UCI um, which is kind of the reason why I don't really think that like college is super necessary because I turned out fine without really going to like without really needing my degree because I got a degree in psych but I am a pretty senior dev now when it comes to my career but uh yeah i think going to college for connections or networking and just learning social skills totally worth it but would i pay that amount or would i sign up for loans if i had to pay for the loans like that probably 
maybe I don't know. I would I would do it the same way I did it before. Like I don't I don't have any regrets. But uh, when he asked that, I was like, you know, I'm just uh, I just didn't get into UCLA, and so I didn't want to get you uh, UCI gear. And so because my dad went to UCLA uh, and he graduated uh, with USC uh, dental degree. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's just the, like the most studious person I know. He taught me my multiplication table before, like I knew how to write my name and, uh, I love him to death. Like he, he is, he is the best dad I could ever ask for. And so was my stepdad. Um, but yeah, I remember saying, um, that I just wasn't, I didn't get to UCLA and I felt like kind of bad and it, it came out cause my girlfriend was there too. <laughs> and I, it was just like this weird moment where I like I kind of like opened up and I just said it because I we just never talked about it and I knew that he kind of wanted that stuff, um, but yeah, there was just like a part of me that kind of felt that I disappointed him, because um, I graduated back in twenty fifteen. It's been seven years, uh, and you know this this uh, this kind of moment happened, and he said he oh man he was like. Huh. I'm like tearing because I teared up at, at the lunch too, but I think I hit it well enough. Um, but he was like, you know, you should be proud for getting to UCI. Uh, it's it's really competitive now. It's a great school. It's a great. It reminds me of you know where you were born, because uh, I was born in like a small town and uh, UC Irvine kind of looks like a small town. It's like it looks super nice. It just it actually does look like the town I was born in. Um, I could totally see the resemblance there. Um, but he said like. I'm proud of you and you worked really hard and um we we started even getting into this like story about like i was getting rejected from all the ucs um and uci was like the very last uc that i didn't get a letter from i got rejected from berkeley i got rejected from ucla i got rejected from san diego i got rejected from everywhere uh and <laughs> um, my dad was visiting me in my hometown and um you know he visits me once a year and it was just admission time and we were in the hotel room because my dad doesn't for for obvious reasons he doesn't stay with me and my mom and my stepdad when he visits we go to like a hotel and we kind of like just like hang out there and then go you know we, i take him to you know the monor like monterey area or you know somewhere like other places we just like don't stay at the house <laughs> where, where my mom is at um but uh, yeah, I had my laptop there, and uh, you know we were just chilling in the hotel room, and ping, I, it's an email from UCI admissions, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Appa, I got, I got the email, <laughs> and then you know I had already told him I got rejected from UCLA, I got rejected from everywhere, and I'm like, oh my god, he's right here, um, he's like he's like the academic like light in my life like if i didn't have him i probably wouldn't be inspired to like just excel in school like not that like i did in college because college was really hard but like i would try <laughs> but um yeah i opened up the email <laughs> and i got accepted and i cried i cried so much i was just so thankful for the for the fact that uci accepted me because i felt like there was so much pressure in that moment where I wanted to just like show my dad like, hey, you know, you don't see me every day. Um, you don't see me every day, but like, I'm I'm trying even when you don't see me. 
Like I, I'm trying really hard. And you know, I go to UCI, I don't become the doctor that I wanted to be and like a whole bunch of other stuff happened. But I eventually became a, a dev, a really good one. I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, and life just turned out, I think better for if I were to even become a doctor. I, I think I'd rather have this life where I stay at home and code and kind of just do my own thing um, and my million hobbies. But yeah, that topic came up today and he said like, where's my UCI stuff? And I said, you know, I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't get to UCLA. And he's like, he said some stuff about like being proud of me. And like, I could tell it was genuine and it just got to me. And this isn't to say like, this isn't the movie trope. Like my dad says he's proud of me like all the time. Um, But it was just the first time where we kind of talked about it in the context of just like specifically the school and me opening up about like, oh, you know, I didn't get into UCLA. And the funny thing is, uh, my girlfriend got into UCLA and that's that's like how the topic came up so here is my girlfriend living my dad's dream so it's like ah it's close enough you know <laughs> I bring a Bruin into the family and that seems good to go um, you know it's like it's like moments like these that kind of uh, remind me to be the father that I want to be when I eventually have like my three daughters that I always say that I'm going to have because you know it's not about like any sort of title or license um because my dad has gone through two divorces I have a stepbrother um my mom has gone through one divorce remarried um and I'm learning all of these different lessons in life from people that have not had like on paper a good marriage because you know they ended in a divorce right like that's just like the almost the antithesis of a marriage but it's about like looking past that stuff and really just like i don't know i i, I don't know how else to say it but like just feeling the love really from the people that do care about you it doesn't even this didn't even really need to be my dad. It could have been like any figure that believed in me, whether it would have been a friend, a cousin, um, or another family member. But it's important to, I guess, just be willing to accept the love that people are willing to give to. That's something that I've been also working on, uh, just in personal life. And um, I gotta say, I think a lot of these lessons that I've kind of been learning and kind of like splurging on the podcast have made me um just better in all sorts of aspects in my like life um like uh just the gratefulness and the thankfulness that i kind of like like to emphasize in my twitter or my stream or you know just in my everyday like attitude um that's also reflected at work i get i get like lots of like cool praise at work for just being like uh, a like quote like fun person to work with and you know uh, very energetic and stuff so not to say like oh you should excel at work but you should be proud if people like to work with you and I think that's like an approach to this nine to five that I'm taking more than I have at other nine to fives like I I don't know I'm just more interested in working with nice people in a common goal um, then, you know, chasing after that huge bag and, you know, the, the, the grind and all that stuff. Um, my priorities are shifting. Health is wealth, all that good stuff. 
yeah, didn't really expect to kind of like go on a life lesson tangent there, but yeah. And one more thing, I swear this is the last thing. Try to recognize, because this is also pretty thematic for the for the, for the last month in uh, for October. Try to recognize when people look up to you, and when you understand that people look up to you. Um, like do your best, and I'm, I mean absolute best, to show them what it's like to be someone to be looked up to. It, it, it sounds so weird. The best way I could illustrate this is, I'm not talking about like anyone, I'm, this has nothing to do with finance and nothing to do with Theta Gang, okay? But like in, in like side conversations in my real life, I help people. Um, it, it'd be family members or it could be uh, like close friends or friends of friends. Like they'll ask me for like life advice or like career advice or school advice. Um, and I think what I communicate best is like, hey, I'm always willing to make time for you, especially if you're feeling really sad, really like mad, if you're feeling very emotional, like I'm, I'll be there. Um, but it's important to like, be the example of like, if someone looks up to you, like try your best not to seem like you're better than them, right? Like take it as an experience where you're learning to become even a better mentor and you know, they will feel better about it as well. They'll feel like they're, they're more willing to open up to you because it's already really hard these days to ask for help. Like that's more like one of the hardest things to do I think right now just because everyone has been so siloed. Everyone's like, oh, I could find out on my own. I got this on my own. But I think it, as, as you get more senior and as you grow, you're gonna have chances for people to look up to you. Not everyone has people that, uh, that has people looking up to them. But if you do have people that look up to you, if it's like students, if it's like a mentee, if it, like maybe you like mentor someone for SAT or something, or you coach someone for a basketball team, or you do some sort of uh, other hobby for anything else where someone is looking at your expertise and saying, hey, I can learn from this person. That's a pretty cool place and role to be in. That's something that I'm starting to uh, start taking for granted less and less. I think before I've taken it for granted just because um, there's like a, there's like a, I think there's a good amount of reasons why. Cause I'm usually like the oldest person in the class and that's like a natural thing for me. Or like if it's something I'm really passionate in, I like, like to go all in into it. And so I'm like pretty, I don't know, I get really into it and then people see that I'm really into it and they ask for like tips and stuff or, or something like that. But uh, yeah, just recognizing those moments more and more and becoming the best role model that you can be is also really important. And I think that is my best October wrap up. I know today, right now it's Oct uh, November 5th, but October was crazy. There's a lot of things happening where I, I, just, I, I just don't have that many people to tell, um, but that, I don't know, this is a small podcast and not many people listen to it. So I can I feel like I could just talk into this mic and just kind of get off my chest. Um, yeah, I'm growing. I'm learning. Life is really fun. I cannot believe that, um, you know, I get the opportunity to just 
kind of do what I love to do at, for my nine to five, but also have all these challenges outside of my nine to five that I can learn from and make me feel good, make me cry tears of happiness. <laughs> it's better than tears of sadness when I'm learning my multiplication table with my dad. But <laughs> oh man, I mean, life it, life is so funny, but it's so good. Um, have a good week, everybody. I will see you all uh, this week on Tuesday. I had to cancel the last Tuesday stream because of a family emergency, but we're good now. Everything's good. And um, yeah, have a great Sunday tomorrow. And if you're listening for the rest of the week, have a good week. I'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye.